much for our time of worship and praise that you are so good to us, God. Thank you. For Jesus, we love you. We praise you. We're amazed by you. We ask that you would bless our time in communion as we go back and we are reminded again of what you've done for us. Dear Father, that you have called us sons and daughters and you've adopted us. And the price that had to be paid for that adoption was your son. Jesus, we come before you and just we remember the work of the cross and remember that our your body was just shredded for us. There was a moment that you took on our sin. You gave us your righteousness. Jesus, thank you. Let us remember that in this moment in Jesus' name. Come on, amen. Amen. You have a seat, please. And man, if you could open up your communion cups, I'm going to just kind of speak from 1 Corinthians 5. And I love this because 1 Corinthians, or 2 Corinthians 5, 2 Corinthians 5, it speaks, it speaks about the change that has to take place. That when you come to, to understand the depth of the work of the cross, and that yes, I am born again, and yes, I've repented from my sin, then church, there has to be change with that. That there, there's been a transformation that takes place old to new. There's been this, this new spirit and our soul has been, been redeemed and bought back. So there's, there's this change that has to take place. 2 Corinthians 5 speaks directly to that change. And this is a direct result of the cross. And I love this because 2 Corinthians 5, it says this, for the love of Christ controls us. And, and when, you, when you hear that, it, the love of Christ controls us. Your version may say it compels us. Like when you know the depth of his love that he left heaven to put himself on the cross so that you me, you and I could know him, that you and I could be safe and you and I could be saved. Man, let the love of Christ compel us to walk in obedience to his word. Watch what it says. I love this. For the love of Christ controls us, having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. That he died for all, I love that, so that he died for all, so that they who live may no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. I, I love where, where he's writing in this. He's saying, listen, listen, listen. I love this. Let the love of Christ control us. For he died for all, so that Watch this, so that they may live no longer for themselves, but for him. Church, do you, do you know the work of the cross would compel us to no longer live for us, that there has been now, there's been a change in me. I'm different. God's spirit reigns within me. I'm different. There's a sanctification. There's there, there's the, the setting apart. There's the now godliness. There's the now holiness because I'm different. Let him no longer live for himself.
Church, when we come to the table of communion, we need to once again be reminded that our life now now belongs to Him. We can't have some lukewarm Christianity that just anything goes. That just, just it doesn't work. It's not Bible. They no longer live for themselves, but they live for Him. So as we look to the, the, this amazing, beautiful work of the cross, and Jesus Christ says, listen, remember me. Like, go back to that place and be reminded of the sacrifice. Be reminded that I gave my life for you and that your life would change. We no longer live for ourselves, but we live for him. See, when you know the magnitude of the very work of the cross, that I have been sanctified, I've been set apart for holiness. I have been redeemed. That means I have been bought back. That price that had to be paid for me was God's son on a cross. That was the only payment that was acceptable. was on that night that he was betrayed that his body was just shredded for us. I mean, just physically, physically destroyed. Where there was this just massive, a bloody body on a tree. And he says, don't forget that. That was the payment. I had to give my life in this way. Sean, so that you could be saved. And he died for all, so that they who live may no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. Therefore, from now on, we recognize no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him no more this way, which means according to sin. Verse 17, here it is. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. Man, I love this. Church, I love this for me, where there's a a biblical truth here that says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. Like, again, you've got to understand change. You've got to understand the very work of the cross. Man, I get that. I know that I'm born again. I understand what I'm about to do at the table is to take communion, that that I am once again reminded that Jesus Christ, the King of heaven, left heaven, put on flesh, put himself on a cross to 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 be abandoned by his Father, sin cast on himself so that I might be free. And all of that says that I'm a new creature. All of that says the old, the past is gone. And I love it when you see behold in scripture, it's like an announcement. It's like just try to try to hear in your world that man, when I came to Christ, there was there was these trumpets that were sounding to make this amazing announcement to say everything from the past is gone for you are a new creature. Man, you're a new creation in Christ. All, all of the old is past and everything that's come is new. And when you understand that, there is a celebration to say, hey, behold, the trumpets are sounding. I have been made new. 
I no longer am a part of the flesh. I no longer function under that place of sin because I have been forgiven of past, present, and future sin. The blood of the king was shed on that cross because Jesus Christ gave his life, and in that payment was a one-time payment for me. And I get it, and I'm amazed by that, and I am free. That's what this chapter's about. there's change we can no longer be the same sin can't taste the same it it should do something to our spirit and our soul go man it just doesn't sit right with me I know that this isn't sitting right with God for I no longer live for myself but I live for him and the old is gone it's passed away behold new things have come and now all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ who gave us the ministry of reconciliation. This is a deep verse. To be reconciled to someone means I've gone from enemy to friend. And sin, the depth of sin, it caused all of mankind to be an enemy to God. Like everyone's on the same playing field. We all start as an enemy of God because of sin. And God could have left it that way. He could have just checked the box and said, I'm done. God so loved his creation. No, I'm not done. The fix is my son on a cross for payment for their sin so that we can be reconciled. So that we no longer are an enemy, but we are now in relationship as a friend. And we have been adopted as a son or as a daughter. All of this is only through the work of the cross. And then he he says like this, because there's been such change, we all should have that ministry of reconciliation, which means that we should be that example, that we no longer are the same, man. We're different because Jesus died for me. I'm different. It changes me. Man, I get it. I used to walk in the place of the flesh, but now I walk in the place of the spirit. I used to belong to the enemy, but now I belong to God. I used to be of darkness, but now I am light. I used to be an enemy of God, but now I'm a friend of God. Now I am adopted by him. I'm his son or I'm his daughter. There's a change that took place in me. It is the love of Christ that compels me or controls me to walk in his obedience because I'm different. And now because I'm different, I understand reconciliation. This is what it says, that you and I should be that example to others that they may be reconciled to God. Amazing. Amazing. Namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting the trespasses against them. And if we just understood that sentence, not counting their trespasses against them. Do you get that? I want you to understand that a little bit. It means that God isn't going to judge us on our sin anymore because he judged his own son. Please hear me. God's not going to punish us because of our sin anymore because he punished his own son. You mean we'll never experience the wrath or the separation of God ever. He will never count our trespasses against us. Why? Because he poured out his wrath on his son. When you understand 
that King Jesus took the hit for you. It changes us. And watch. Because of all of that, we are ambassadors of Christ. The God we're making an appeal through us. There should be change. People should see a difference in us because of the work of the cross, because we get it. He's making an appeal through us that we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. And here, here's the verse that is declared to be the great exchange. How did this reconciliation take place? What took place for payment for our sin and that, and that we are redeemed. We can declare that we are redeemed. What, what, what is it that took place? What is so magnificent about the cross? What is so deep about the cross that I don't know if we'll ever get to the bottom of it? Is this verse right here. You can never understand the love of God until you know the depth of our sin. For God made him, that's Jesus, who knew no sin to become sin on our behalf. For God, because God still loved the world, for he made him, that's Jesus, who was innocent, who was perfect, who was eternal, who's always been, he's always been, left heaven, put on flesh, lived a perfect life without sin for this purpose right here, to get to this verse right here, for he who know, knew no sin, he did what? Watch. He became sin on our behalf so that we may become the righteousness of God in him. Jesus Christ gave us his righteousness and we gave him our sin. This is amazing, church, when you get the depth of this. And when you come to the table today of communion, we've got to be amazed that Jesus Christ took the hit for you and I and that God poured his wrath out on Jesus because in that moment, in that moment, in that moment, all of the sin of the world, past, present, future, was cast on his son and he took my sin and he took your sin. In exchange for that, you and I have been made right with God and we put on his righteousness. It is the greatest exchange of scripture. My sin for his righteousness so that I may have eternity with God Almighty because God so loved the world and let that love of Christ control us and compel us to understand what it is to live a life that is new and fresh and changed because of the beautiful work of the cross. church it's amazing come on just bow your heads please come on where are you in this 2 Corinthians 5.21 like does that just does that this should do something to your spirit Jesus you love me so much You left heaven. 
put yourself on a cross to be my payment. You took my sin and gave me your righteousness. We don't deserve that, church. We don't deserve that. But that's the amazing peace to God's grace. Oh, how he loves us. And this time of communion is just a beautiful reminder. As Jesus said, listen, remember what it took. Remember the great exchange. Remember that you've been made right. Come on, on the night that he was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it. He said, this is my body, which is for you this in remembrance of me. Go ahead, please. Man, in the same way, he took the cup and he said, this is is a new covenant in my blood. As often as you drink this, do this in remembrance of me. we could just close this out properly if you would just stand to your feet please I'm just going to take some time and we're just going to worship the Lord we are reminded again that King Jesus left heaven to deal with our issue to become the payment for our sin took on my sin and he took on your sin. And we could be so strong today in our spirit to say, no, I have been made right with God because of Jesus. I have been made right with God. I have gone from wrong to right. I have gone from enemy to friend. I have been made right with God because Jesus took my sin. Please, church, let us worship. Let us worship let us be so thankful. Come on. Yeah.
forevermore. Lord, thank you for what you did on that cross. Thank you that it can never be undone, it can never be taken away. We can't earn it, we don't deserve it, but you give and you give and you give. Lord, you are so faithful. I pray that we would become more like you. Lord, fill us up so that we can go and pour out onto others. You are holy and you are precious. In your precious and holy name, all God's people said. Come on, you may have a seat. Hallelujah. Come on. Amen, amen. Thank you, babe. Take care of your man. Mm-mm-mm. Yeah, I could use that. Come on. Hey, turn with me, please. Psalm 128. We got short time, but I only plan on getting through one verse. We're going to read it all, but we'll preach from one verse. Um, we, are, we are going into... Um, just a, a, a couple weeks, probably two, maybe three weeks on building strong families. This is kind of how it's going to go probably up to November or so. We're going to preach a couple on Psalm 128, looking at what it means to build a strong family. What's God's plan? What's his blueprint to build a strong family? And then we're going to get into a series that a couple people are going to be preaching in it, and it's called Reality Check. And I think we're just in a season where, where so much is so off balance of, of what is reality uh, man, we, we need a reality check. The church needs a reality check. Society needs a reality check. Like America needs a reality check. The world needs a reality check. And, and I'm, I'm very excited for this series because we're going to preach on several different biblical topics that you can look today and go, man, we are so far from that. Man, we need to come back into a reality check. And I think sometimes things can get so out of balance for so long that we kind of lose sight of how far gone it's gone. Sometimes when crazy just becomes normal, eh, it doesn't look that crazy, right? When Uncle Crazy is really crazy and you're around Uncle Crazy all the time, sometimes family doesn't think Uncle Crazy crazy, but those who don't know Uncle Crazy think he's crazy. You know what I'm saying? I just totally made that up. That was good right there. That was amazing. But it's true. Sometimes when something gets so out of whack, and you just living out of whack, you kind of lose sight of how out of whack it is. And man, I'm telling you what, we are going to do a series on reality check. And uh, that's going to be, be a, a powerhouse series. And then um, after that, we are going to go into a marriage series. I'm excited. Sometime in October, I believe, we'll be hitting a marriage series. Um, and we are so thankful for what God does in marriage. So that's kind of the, the, the game plan for the next few. We have college kids starting to come back. We're juiced about that. We've got college kids from Houghton, Bonas, from Pitt Brad, from JCC. We've got a good number of college kids. If you are a college student, we do welcome you home. We're pumped about that. More on that to come in the next few weeks as they filter in. And we want to grow our college crowd, man. We want college students to come in, hear the gospel, be a part of this church as they are in their college days, um, as God has such a plan for them. We want to be that house for them, truly. And uh, if you are a college student, you came in. We want to bless you with our gas cards. This is something this church does on behalf of Believer's Chapel. Uh, we want to put a gas card in your hand. Um, at this rate where gas prices are, it may not fill your tank unless you're on like a little bicycle or something. But um, we want to bless you. If you're, a, if you're a college student and you drove here, please see the front desk. We want to bless you with a gas card on behalf of BC, the family of this church. We're pumped that you are here. We truly are. And we know that it, it takes a lot to get here sometimes. So we want to put gas in your tank. And we're, we're pumped about that. What a blessing. Um, come on, let's just look at Psalm 128. 
man, again, this is a short time. We're going to get into this for a little bit, um, and then we'll, we'll probably cl hopefully close around 1230. Uh, but I, I want to get into this because I want us to see this um, for what it is. When, when you look at what's it mean to build a strong family? What's it mean to build a strong family? And, and what is the blueprint to what that looks like? Right, because you can, you can get a plan and you can have the blueprint, whether you follow the blueprints to a plan or not. Like if you're an architect and you're trying to build a house, right, and you, and you just, uh, you gave somebody the blueprints, like you're the architect, you're the ones who studied, you're the ones who knows. Listen, the stairs have to be at this pitch and the roof has to be at this pitch and there has to be a structure here and here's a support beam here. And if you, if, if you, if you look at this, here's the plans from an architect that knows what they're doing. And if you choose to like rip up those plans and you've never built anything in your life and you're going to go build a house, I don't want to live in that house. Like it could collapse and fall and then you can't blame anybody else but yourself because you didn't follow the blueprints. The Lord gives us the blueprint of what a healthy family looks like, what a blessed family looks like, what it means for you and I to build a strong family off of the blueprints that God's given us. And it is, it's just, it's just really that simple. I'm going to follow God's plan. I'm going to follow God's plan for marriage. I'm going to follow God's plan to build my family. This is speaking to husband and wife. This is speaking to dads and moms because you have children. This is speaking to children and what it means to, to honor your mother and your father, to walk in a place to honor them. This is Then it speaks to grandchildren. Like I love that, that this now speaks to legacy. Psalm 128 speaks to generation to generation. And this, this all has to do with the blueprint that God set up for building a strong family. If you're young in this place, maybe you're in high school, maybe you're in college, maybe you're outside of college, or maybe you're, you're divorced or you're single and there's going to be a day again that you're married, then please, please hear this today. If you're married and you have a good marriage, then man, we can look at this and say, yes, I get that. I, yes, I get that. Yeah, it's working. Yes, I'm doing it God's way and it's working or you're looking to this going, man, my marriage is a train wreck, man. It's just chaos, and God didn't plan it this way. But for only a couple weeks, we're going to just look at the priority of building a strong family and looking at the blueprint of that. Because when you look at day six of creation, that's what God did on day six. He created beasts animals, and then he created man and woman. And God says something very particular. He says, be blessed, be fruitful and multiply. Right from the very first marriage, God called it blessed. So when you see that the creator of the heavens and the earth has a plan for family, we ought to pay attention to that plan. Come on, I want you to see this. Psalm 128. We're just going to read through it. It's a simple six verses. Let's read through it a couple times. And every time you see the word blessed, highlight it. Every time you see the, the fear of the Lord, highlight it. When you see husband, highlight it. When you see wife, highlight it. When you see children, highlight it. When you see grandchildren, highlight it. Like this, this just deals with the family structure. This deals with the family structure. And we're going to just kind of, we're going to read through it a couple times, but we're going to park on verse one. Uh, to get point number one this morning. Here it goes. How blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. When you shall eat of the fruit of your hands, you will be happy and it will be well with you. 
Your wife shall be like a fruitful vine within your house, your children like olive plants around the table. Behold, for this shall be the man, this shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. The Lord bless you from Zion, and may you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. Indeed, may you see your children's children, and peace be upon Israel. Let's go through this again. Again, it speaks about a house that's blessed. It speaks about how to get there. It speaks about a wife. It speaks about a children. It speaks about a man. That's the husband. And it speaks about the children's children. That's grandchildren. Right? Come on, watch this. How blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. When you shall eat of the fruit of your hands, you will be happy and it will be well with you. Your wife shall be like a fruitful vine within your house, your children like olive plants around your table. Behold, for thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. The Lord bless you from Zion, and may you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. Indeed, may you see your children's children, peace be on Israel. I love this because it just speaks to the, this family unit that God has put together. So let's just, let's just kind of unpack verse 1 for a little bit, right? Let's just unpack verse 1, and it says this, how blessed is everyone, right? That's kind of, woo, that's kind of all-inclusive, right? Like, how blessed is everyone? And I'm speaking to the church, the Christians. Like, how bad is it when you see people who profess Christ to be Christians, but they are the most dry, boring, miserable, negative people that you can be around? Like, like have, you, have you been around some of these people? Sometimes, uh, like when you grow up in specific types of churches, like when you're super happy and super joyful and, you're, and you really are, are in this place, man, they are like, hey, man, you need to tame it down. You're a Christian. Uh, well, I, um, well, huh? Like, no, you're supposed to be like miserable. What? Like, like, like seriously though, when you see this, I get really bummed when you see people who are professing to know Christ as Lord and Savior and they are the most negative people that you can find and they're the most miserable people like they are the Eeyores like everything's wrong you know Eeyore right like Eeyore you always like everything like Eeyore never, nothing ever went right for Eeyore and he was just he was a bummer like Eeyore had no friends man he had Winnie the Pooh or whatever but Eeyore was a bummer but how many Eeyores are there that proclaim Christ? And it's just like, hold on, wait a minute, wait a minute. The Bible says the word blessed here, and this word blessed, it means to overflow. It means to be abundant in what? In joy and in happiness. And I'm not, watch this now, please hear me. I'm not saying your circumstances are always going to be peaches and cream walking through the lily fields, right? Oh, I came to Christ, and it was just a gold road from there, man. Piece of cake. Well, that's really not the case. But in the midst, watch this now, in the midst of circumstance, in the midst of chaos, we are still supposed to walk in a place of blessing and be filled and overflow with a sense of joy. Because it, it's an internal thing. It's something taking place on my inside and in my soul. Blessed, overflowing, to be full with joy and gladness. That's what blessed means. Blessed is everyone. Well, if you would just stop there, that'd be a great life. Like the whole world would be just overflowing with joy and happiness. But it says, blessed is everyone who what? Well, here's the, here's the ingredient, who fears the Lord and walks in his ways. This is just verse one. 
So when you see part of the blueprint, the first page of the blueprint to, to a family and, and building a family God's way, a house that's blessed, a husband and wife that's blessed, a building that strong, unified family where children obey the parents and, and they walk in a matter of honoring mom and dad. And, and you, you see this in the reality of a husband and a wife. You see this in children and then you see this in grandchildren. This is all Psalm 128. But verse 1 gives us the top line ingredient. You must fear the Lord and walk in his ways. And you see this again in verse 4. Behold, for this shall, shall the man be blessed. There's blessed again. The man, that's speaking of the husband, shall be overflowing with joy, overflowing with blessing, right? Overflowing with, with, that, with, that, with that happiness and that gladness. But part of that ingredient, the same thing in verse 4, but he's got to be a man who fears the Lord. He's got to be a man who understands what does this mean Come on, this is a big Old Testament and New Testament thought, man. This is an absolute truth of what we are commanded to do when we are called to fear the Lord. If you are a young adult and you're like, okay, I'm not married yet, but man, there's a day, and there's a day that I'm going to be married. And I was so excited. There were some college students here in the first service. They just were coming back, and they just got engaged yesterday. And I, they're at the right age. I'm dating the right amount of time, and they are pumped and juiced, and I am so excited to begin to see that stuff take place that you've prepared and you're ready and you put your time and you're at the right age and you've got a plan. Like all of that is so important. So I love seeing that because you see this, that if, if we're walking in that way, like, okay, what is the first ingredient? Man, we got to understand what it means to fear the Lord. That's part of his blueprint. And the word fear here, it, 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 this is what it means. It means to walk in a high respect, reverent. See, church, when you know, when you know the power of God and you know him and you have a knowledge of him, a true deep knowledge of him, man, there is, there is fear that is the result of that, right? Because, because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of that. Like, you got to have an understanding to know him, to have that great respect for him. Like, if you have a power tool, that, that is a blade and a saw, and you don't respect that power tool, you're going to be walking around kind of like without digits, right? Because you don't, you don't respect the power of that saw. If you're just flinging around and you're not taking care of them, you don't have any guards, and, you just, and you're just zipping along and you don't really care until you lose some digits, you don't really understand what it means to show respect to that tool, right? You got to understand that. Right? You're zipping along, zipping along, zipping along, zipping along. If you have respect for that tool, you probably keep all your digits. If you don't have respect for that tool, you're not, you don't know the power and the authority of that blade over your fingers, that's a bad day. Right? When you understand the power of God, there is a respect that comes because I know God. So when you're trying to build a strong family, ingredient number one, according to Psalm 128, is that men... And then it goes to wife and children need to function from a place of the fear of the Lord. And I love this because when I'm respecting and honoring him, and verse 1 says, walk in all his ways. Like if I truly have a reverence of God, I don't come to a place to say, ah, I, don't, I, don't, I don't really agree with this. No way, I thought you had a, 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 I thought you feared the Lord. No, I fear the Lord, but I don't really agree with some of the things in here. 
Well, then you don't really understand him and walk in all his ways. It's amazing that people will come to us and their marriages are just a train wreck and they'll come to the pastors and we are here to encourage and build. And we have a great pastor who will sit down and, and go through some things. We will point you in a specific biblical counseling, which is amazing. But when, when people come to us and say, well, I don't really, I don't really do it that way. Well, if you did it this way, maybe you wouldn't be in the condition that you're in. If you followed the blueprint to walking in a fear of God and, and walking in all of his ways, just maybe you wouldn't be in that way. Yeah, but I'm coming to you for help, but I'm, I'm not going to do it that way. My suggestion is don't come to me for help because I'm just going to tell you to do it this way. And if you're not going to do it this way, you're kind of wasting a lot of time. And by the way, your life's the mess and you're not doing it his way. If we're not putting two and two together, I don't know. Like there's no help. You see what I'm saying by that, right? This is how deep this is. And the reality is say, okay, man, I, I want a strong family, but then I have to do it his way. And if I'm going to have a strong family, the number one ingredient to this thing is to see what does it mean to walk in a fear of him? And church, please hear me. When you are a husband or you are a wife or you're a son or you're a daughter or you're a brother and a sister, I love a family unit that brothers and sisters laugh together and have fun together and honor one another I like where family is the first priority. I like where a husband's first priority is his wife. And a wife's first priority, not, not next to Jesus. There's Jesus first and then everything else. So there's Jesus first and then there's the husband or then there's the wife and then there's the children, right? And, and we understand that level. Family has to be a priority. Family has to be first. Because when we look at this and say, okay, um, when I have a, when a husband has a proper fear of the Lord, it will, it will change everything you think, say, and do. It will change everything you think, say, and do. When, when I, watch this, please hear me, man. When I, when I filter through my words, when I filter through my thoughts, when I filter through my actions through a proper, true fear of the Lord, it will change what I think. And it will change what I say. And it will change what I do. My words will reflect Jesus. My thoughts will reflect Jesus. My actions will reflect Jesus, which is this right here, the truth. So, First, we have to say, okay, am I going to be a man? If Ephesians 5 tells me that I'm the head of this house and I want my house to be blessed, am I that man who walks in the fear of God? What are my words? What are my thoughts? What is my action? Because watch this again in verse 1, how blessed. And that's a good thing. How blessed is everyone who fears the Lord. And I love that this is direct result of family. Right, so can you put up Proverbs 1-7, please? You see this, if you have a true knowledge of God, which is what it takes, then you have to walk in the true fear of the Lord, for the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. If you're foolish, you're looking at this going, I'm not following the blueprint. Well, then your house is probably going to fall. 
If you choose to ignore the blueprint, but the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Like I, I want to start my, my, my family or I want to rearrange wherever you're at in this. I want to rearrange my family. I want to begin to build that strong family, but I want to start with the fear of the Lord. And when I, when I have the fear of the Lord, then that's the beginning of knowledge. So when I have the beginning of knowledge, when I have an understanding of how great God is and his power and his, and his authority, then I'm beginning to get this picture of going, okay, I'm going to build a strong family God's way. Proverbs 9, verse 10, please. I want you to see this. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Just leave that up there just for a minute, please. Church, when you see what this really looks like, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. How blessed is everyone who fears the Lord? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One. Like, okay, if I'm going to walk in the knowledge of God, if I, if I want to know God and a deep relationship with God, this is a part of my prayer for my family. God, that we would know you, that we, that we would have a, a deep understanding of you. I want my kids to know God, have a deep, intimate understanding of God, to be in this personal relationship with God. I want that, and I'm praying for that. Praying for that for me. God, I want to know you deeper. I want, to, I want to understand you. But that can't happen until the fear of the Lord. It starts with the, the reverence and the respect that we give God. That's where it starts. God, I want to know you. God, I want to build this relationship with you. God, I want to walk in a way that's worthy of you. God, I, I want to walk in wisdom. And, but it starts with the knowledge of the Holy One, His understanding. But all of that begins when I have an understanding of what it is to walk in a fear of God. When you look at, when you look at parenting and you look at what it is to parent your children, Psalm 29, 15 is crystal clear. Hey, parents, you tell the kids what to do. The kids don't tell you what to do. Put that on the fridge. Put that in the little lunchbox. Hey, I'm dad. I'm telling you what to do. You don't tell me what to do. Like, do that. Like, like that's, that's a problem today. Like, kids run the roost, man. Kids are running the world. And I'm not talking about the president. <laughs> I'm not... love you. Amen. Um, but the reality is this. Proverbs 29, 15. The child doesn't get his own way. And when we see that we don't tell what God, we don't tell God what to do, God tells us what to do. Man, there is this amazing, beautiful picture of, of a parent-child relationship when a parent is walking in the fear of the Lord and saying, I want my kids to know you, I want my kids to walk in a way that is worthy of you. Man, I want my kids to love you with all of their heart, soul, mind, and strength. And we follow, follow the script that, it, that I love where Proverbs tells us, listen, discipline is a good thing. You're not gonna kill your child. That's what it says, but you're gonna save their soul from hell. Discipline is the right move. Discipline in love, not discipline in abuse. Discipline in love. And when you understand, okay, the relationship is, I tell the child what to do, the child doesn't tell me what to do. 
I mean, Renee and I never got into the counting thing. We decided from, from day one, okay, this is the deal, man. Uh, we are going to shoot for first-time obedience. When mom says something, she doesn't need to repeat herself. Discipline comes after the repeat because we don't do the, okay, I tell, okay, clean your room. Okay, one, two, three. If I get to four, like we, we do this count thing, right? And then the kids have a competition. How long did it take mom? Man, I got her to five. Wow, wow, I couldn't get her past three. Like, and they play this, this game. And it's first time obedience you shoot for. Why is that? Stop! What if they're running for a car? What if they're running in the middle of the road and you've trained them to count to three and you need that first time obedience? Stop! And they're waiting for you to count. One, two, Church, first-time obedience is so important as a parent. You tell the kid what to do. The kid doesn't tell you what to do. And when you want to say, okay, I'm going to follow this pattern. I'm going to follow this pattern of what God says. I'm going to follow this pattern of saying, okay, God, I'm going to parent the way you've called me to parent, but it has to flow truly from a, a reverence of you, a fear of you. Because when I know you, when I have a deep knowledge of you, That comes because of the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And I can speak to the men. If you want to build a strong house, it just truly begins with you. Gentlemen, it begins with you. That you would function from a true, proper fear of the Lord. And walk in all his ways. This is the top ingredient, and then there's such blessing from that. Your wife will be a fruitful vine. We'll talk about that. Your children will be like olive plants, which means they just continue to sprout and grow and mature. You will be happy, and it will be well with you. You will eat the fruit of your hand. All of these are a result of a man who walks in the true, proper fear of God, who will put his chest out and his head up and say, no, I've been called to be the head of this house, and we're going to do it according to the word it will change what I think. It will change what I say. It will change what I do because everything now becomes filtered through a proper respect and reverence of God. I serve a God who is all-knowing. I serve a God who is everywhere all at once. I serve a God who can do all things. Man, I understand his power and his authority and I don't walk and function from a true reverence and a true respect of that power and authority. And then knowledge begins and then wisdom begins because it starts with the right proper picture of God and functioning in all of his ways. This is just really, truly black and white. It's just simple. God, you said this, okay. God, you said I gotta do it this way, okay. God, you said I need to love my wife and be faithful to my wife as you have loved us, okay. God, I'll do that. You told me that I need to respect and honor and submit to my husband, okay, I'll do that. You called me to honor my mom and dad as a son and daughter, yes. You've called me to walk in a place to love my brother and my sister, yes. So you've called family to be first, yes. I love this because when we do it his way, the Bible is so clear that God says that's what blessing looks like. It's abundantly good. It's abundantly good. In the next couple of weeks, we're going to unpack Psalm 128. We're going to unpack this and say, okay, man, I want, I want this. 
I, I want the fruit of my hands. I want to be happy. I want it to be well with me. I want my wife to be like a fruitful vine. And you're gonna, we're going to dig into that. I want, I want my children to be like olive plants to grow and mature and sprout. I want, I want to be blessed because I fear the Lord. I want my children's children. Now we're getting into grandparenting. I love where it's just this one big, big unit. It's building a strong family. That's God's idea. That's God's plan. Come on, if you could just stand to our feet, please, and we'll get into this. And I encourage you to start to pray. Okay, Lord, like for the next couple weeks, what does it look like to build a strong family? This isn't the marriage series. We'll spend many weeks on the marriage series, but this is just like the priority of family. The priority of family. And I think we come uh, honestly this morning to a place of praying throughout the week. God, help me to hear this for the next couple of weeks. And God, help me to make my family a priority. Help me to make my wife a priority. Help me to make my husband a priority. Help me to make my children a priority. Help me to, to, to lean into my kids. Help me to pay attention to my kids. Like, I love the season of life that Renee and I are in. Like, we, we even from, from when Carter was first born, man, we just, we didn't miss athletic events. We didn't miss our, our kids' sporting events. We didn't miss Olivia. She, she was you know, wonderful with, with different theater and different things and just their interests and their likes. Like, we didn't miss any of it. Taking time off to be able to go so they look at the crowd and they just see mom and dad saying, go for it. Like, go for it. Like, what happens when you make your family the priority? I mean, like, truly, like, you're sacrificing your time to make family a priority. What happens when you build strong family God's way and say, okay, God speak to me in the next couple of weeks. What do I need to rearrange? What do I need to change? Uh, how is my, my fear of you, my respect of your word? Am I ready for this? Am I ready for this? And I believe this, man. I believe God's going to do a tremendous work the next few weeks and that we will we will show you what a strong family looks like and all I can do is say go for it just do this just do this and there'll be sacrifice and there'll be rearranging and there'll be changing and there'll be uh, words that are being changed there'll be apologies if you want a truly a strong house in my pre-marriage coaching, I tell them the most important words in your house are not, I love you. They are vital. They are important. They should be said every day. But the most important words are, I'm sorry. Because then it gets real. Because then it gets real. I gotta, we got to go. I'm so excited for this. I'm so excited for the next couple weeks. Please come. But please begin to pray and ask God. Okay, God, where are we in this? Man, I want to build that strong family. I want that house. I want this verse one. I want, uh, I want that overflowing. I want that to be blessed. I want that overflowing joy and gladness and happiness. I want, I want that. I can overflow in joy and I can overflow in gladness because God, that's your blueprint. That's your plan. But do I really walk in the fear of you? Because it will show up in what I think, what I say, and what I do. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for this morning. 
God, there's just something special about this service. God, I believe that they're, they're here and they're listening. And God, they want just a great marriage. They want a great family. They want to do it your way. And Lord, I pray that your blueprint is right here. And I thank you for it. God, I ask as we go that we would begin to let our spirit begin to turn. And God, let the seed begin to be planted and grow. Like, okay, God, uh, we're going to have a house that overflows with joy. We will have a house that overflows with gladness. That, that's, that's the plan. What changes do we need to make? What sacrifices need to be laid down to make this happen? Jesus, we love you. Thank you for speaking to us today. In Jesus' name, come on, amen. Come on, BC, uh, please, please be praying this week. God, speak to us about our families. We'll see you next Sunday. Come on, bring somebody.